This is Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag, and I'm your host, Rick Myro. On today's show, we're going to be talking about grain marketing, and it's been a challenging year, so it's important that we consider all the angles. Our guest today, Steve Nicholson from Rabo AgriFinance, is going to help us to make sure that we've got all our corners covered. Steve Nicholson, thanks so much for joining us on the Around the Farm podcast, where we're really excited to have you here with us. Uh, for our listeners that don't know much about you, can you talk a little bit about your background and what you do for Rabo AgriFinance? Sure, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks. Good to be here and good to talk to all your listeners. Right now, I'm the Senior Grains and Oilseed Analyst at Rabo AgriFinance here in St. Louis. So I get a chance to touch both uh, rural, because I sit in the rural bank here in St. Louis, and I also touch our wholesale clients, which are you know, the Climate Corps, the Bayer Crop Sciences of the world, you know, the big grain companies and stuff like that. So I get a chance to reach across and I look at corn, wheat, soybeans, cotton, rice. I do some sugarcane uh, and, and some farm economics all at the same time. So, but if you look back a little farther, um, I'm an Iowa kid, uh, born and raised, bred, educated in Iowa, an Iowa State grad twice over. Um, out of graduate school at Iowa State, I went to Coca-Cola and was the corn buyer for all the high fructose corn syrup in North America that we bought we told. So I got a, got to look at uh, big corporate America there uh, from a lot of ways and learned a ton of stuff. And so a lot of my background has been in commodity procurement. So I've been on the other side of the producer. Uh, but at the same time, um, I've been on the research analysis side as well. Uh, and I did some politics along the way and some grain trading early on in my career. So I've got a chance to see a lot of the supply chain and I feel real fortunate to have that experience. Awesome. Great background. And just the guy we need to be talking to is uh, as we think about some of the things that are going to be happening around marketing grain here um, in this in this turbulent year. You know, when I think of 2020, immediately a a flaming dumpster flying down the street is really what comes to mind. It's it's kind of been the most untypical year that we could have possibly imagined from a global pandemic with COVID-19 to a trade battle between the U.S. and China, uh, all the way through the derecho that we just suffered through here in parts of the yeah. central Midwest. You know, can, can you talk to us a little bit about how these odd and bizarre issues that are kind of unprecedented are affecting the grain markets and, and changing the way that farmers are, are thinking about marketing their uh, their grain and oil seeds. Sure. I, I think the first thing we have to recognize, you know, you've got a drought now on top of this, and we could talk about the hurricane as well. And so, you know, farmers, first of all, are just exhausted. I mean, they're tired. You know, they went through 18, if you're in the Missouri River Valley, uh, flooding, and then you go to 19, you had the spring floods and, and you know, two really tough harvests here. So they're just tired. And They'd like to have a break, to be honest. So to start there, just to kind of talk about where their their mental state is. I, I think they're confused. Um, at times, they don't know what to do. You know, they hear about, you know, whether it's China, whether it's weather, whether it's any number of things, what to do. And I think they, they almost got paralyzed and trying to figure out what is it they should be doing. And so one of the messages we talk to farmers about, and we've talked about this for two, three years with them, is first of all, you, you have to understand what is your cost of production. And I don't care if it's $5 a bushel for corn or $3 a bushel for corn, but you, gotta, you have to know that first. And once you know that, then you can start that marketing plan from there. And I'll give you a couple examples. You know, back um, last year in the wet spring, you know, things looked bad and, it, and the market rallied uh, up in that 450, 460 area. And, and it was an opportunity that you did not get again next year, surprisingly. 
you know, this year, think about what's happened here too. And if you, and if you knew your costs and they were under $4, there was an opportunity, at least on the board, to get some cover, cost covered. Same thing this year. You had a bit of a rally after the, the June acreage numbers up, to, up into the 350, 360, not as good as last year. And now you've seen this kind of derecho drought rally here in the last, last week or so, again, giving opportunities to farmers. And so, first of all, like we said, understand those costs, but also keep in mind that you're not going to have many opportunities to get that settled. So when you do get the opportunity, that market gives you a gift, as I call it. You need to be able to take advantage of it now and, and not wait and think, oh, maybe, if, maybe it just goes higher on the dime. Maybe I'll, I'll get it. Or, you know, close and can't, you know, we always used to call the orders a uh, cancel of close. You have to be decisive, make the decision, move on and not worry about, oh, I could have made some more money. But if I covered my costs or made a little money, you do it and move forward because that way you'll live, live to farm another year. It's a dangerous game when you start to look back in the mirror at the markets and say, I wish yeah. I could have done that. And <laughs> yeah, you, you become paralyzed by previous decisions where it didn't work out the same way. Because frankly, there's no way to predict that, right? I mean, you you, you might have caught lightning in a bottle once, but the chances of you doing it twice are really kind of kind of tough. So you got to not let great be the enemy of good, right? And I, I think right. that's what you're saying loud and clear there. We always try to tell them, you know, try to hit singles, maybe a double here or there. You're not going to hit a grand slam every time. And you know, one of the other one of the other things we've talked about is component selling. I mean, I did that on the buying side, component buying. You know, why not take two strikes the ball rather than one? You know, rather than just sell cash, sell the futures and sell the bases separately because you get two cracks that way. Try to give you as many advantages because the market is not market doesn't care. You hate to say this, but the market doesn't care about you. It cares about what it wants to do, and so you have to take advantage of what the market will give you. You're, you're speaking to my soul here, going back to hitting singles <laughs> instead of home runs. I'm yeah. I'm a baseball purist, and all these people that are uh, talking about the launch angle and all that. Listen, yep. my beloved White Sox won a World Series championship, <laughs> the first one in nearly 100 years back in 2005, by hitting singles, stealing bases, and playing good defense. That's and right. sometimes you just got to focus on doing the basics and getting the quick wins, right? That's right. And I think, you know, we've we've always, you know, there's you hate to say use the stereotypes of the coffee shop. Well, I sold my corn for $4 or whatever that number might be. But, you know, it's the guys that hit the singles and the doubles every once in a while. And they don't, they know what their costs are and they make very, very rational decisions. We always joke with some of them sometimes, you know, give it to your spouse. You know, they don't have the emotional attachment to that, to that crop that you do. Um, and we've seen ter- terrific uh, markers and spouses and not particularly the producer. Well, with all this uncertainty, what, what are you hearing from farmers about how they're going to approach their, their marketing this year? Yeah, it, you know, it's, everyone's in a different spot. Um, I think they're going to be more aggressive here, particularly in this rally they've got here, is an opportunity to move forward. The other discussion we're having with our farmers is to look forward and to think about what's going on in, in December, what we would call Red Deece, December 21 crop, just from a new crop perspective. Look ahead and let's sell ahead. It's been one of those, if I can call it a sermonette that we've given to farmers to think about. Let's think about selling the crop before you plant it. Because, you know, a lot of farmers, that's a tough decision to make. So we've had to have that discussion with them to think about what they do next. In the farmers I've talked to, you know, most of them had stuff still in storage. And the discussion was, what should I do? And the question is, what do you think, you know, at this point, now, now life has changed, it seems like, from week to week. But when you see all that grain is still in the country that has to move to market, what do you think the price is going to do? And they usually come to the conclusion, hmm, it's 
probably not going to go up. And that's exactly, that's the conclusion I want them to draw them is, is to move, move ahead, get that crop moved on and go from there. Well, as you guys are, are advising farmers and, and looking at the market, uh, are there other things that you're telling them that they should be paying attention to? You, you mentioned looking a little bit further out. What other things do, do they need to be paying attention to as they, as they look towards the future and start to think about marketing? It's an easy discussion with some, and it's a tougher discussion with others. We try to have them think now a little bit different. And I, I'm going to use a, a, compliance, um, a compliance term here because we're a bank. Um, you know, we try to say we're not advised as much as coaching, uh, so we have to talk about that. But we talk about what other crops could you produce? What other markets are available to you? Are there opportunities? And, you know, we've, we talk about organics. We have some very large organic producers. You know, we have farmers who have gone back and done some truck farming. Uh, we have producers who are putting up greenhouses and producing stuff in greenhouses, particularly if they're too, near a large metro area. You know, there is a demand for pea protein and also, you know, more soybeans for soybean protein concentrates. So we, we had them look at that and think about, is there something they can do different than anybody else? Is there, is there a processor in a, in a particular area that might be, that needs a particular trait that you can produce for them? We talk about too, though, when we talk about corn farmers, your best customer may be down, maybe that cattle feeder or that hog producer or that poultry or layer down the road who needs corn on a consistent basis. While they may not always be the high price, they're looking for a consistent supply and you're looking for a consistent market. So we try to encourage them to think a little bit broader than just number two corn or number two soybeans and think beyond that. Um, and are there, is there something else that they have a skill set to do? One of the things we have seen um, also is, you know, um, uh, ancillary businesses to the farm. We also encourage, you know, we see a lot of young people coming back to the farm, and that may seem counterintuitive right now, but we have seen a lot of young people come back to the farm. They're much more tech-savvy than I am for our, you know, for our age group. They're also more willing to take a little bit of a risk and try something new than maybe dad or grandpa or grandma or mom is. And, and we encourage them to think about that and let that happen. And we've seen, uh, I can think of one, a daughter and a son-in-law moved back to the farm to Illinois and they started growing hops in, in Southern Illinois and have made, and that's done really well for them. It's not a big money raiser, but what can you do to, to kind of flatten out that revenue stream so it doesn't have all the ups and downs? So it's, it's a combination of lots of different things. It's not, I'm a better marketer. Uh, we also talk to them about, um, cash rents, uh, talk to them about, well, what are you paying there? I mean, and that, not necessarily in that form, but if that doesn't pencil out, walk away. And of course, we always have the discussion about, well, we can't do that. We'll never get it back. My neighbor will take it. But are you making money? No. Well, let your neighbor lose money and you'll be back at it in a couple of years. And we've seen that happen more than once. So there's a lot of little things they can do um, that help just add, you know, that extra penny or two a bushel. That is all we talk about with them. Really the basics, right? Really understanding where your cost position is, where am I profitable, understanding each one of those fields and, and making that dispassionate decision about, uh, yes. about where I'm producing the most revenue. That's right. Be very unemotional. And I know that's difficult, but yeah, really, really focus on all the, all the, all the little things, you know, do the basics, right? Like you say, keep it simple, stupid. And, and that's, that's where the success will come. Not saying it's easy and not saying this is easy times, but those are things we have to do. Well, as we think about all the things that are happening and all the decisions that have to be made on farm to, to be successful in marketing, 
What are some sources of information that, that you folks recommend to your customers that, that yeah. they pay attention to and that they utilize to educate themselves as they're trying to make decisions? Sure. Well, we certainly want them to recognize and, and read our rabble research, so I'll, be, I'll do a shameless commercial there first. Um, you know, and I think it's one of the things, and we get that question off and on, people say, well, what do you read? And, and, and I will tell you, for me, a lot of it is, is for a lot of years, there's nothing one, one thing I read every day or I pay attention to every day. There's so much going on. There's so many different sources. That's what you kind of have to get, find out what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm an economist and I get economists. So I work, I look, I probably read the data more than I read actually print. You know, what does the market tell me? So I look at the market, look at the technicals, look at the charts. I'm also a base, I'm an old basis trader. So I'm watching basis because that tells me so much about what's happening in the market and what's going on. So that's really important to me. But I always tell people, you know, pharma said, you know, find someone you're comfortable with, whether it's a broker, whether it's a merchandiser uh, or someone that you can talk to on a regular basis and feel comfortable with. Um, I also encourage them, you know, find a newsletter, find a publication or two that you're, again, comfortable with that you have, um, you know, you have to also match, match your risk tolerance. You know, if you're a pretty risk adverse guy or woman, I would say then you need to be fairly conservative and use fairly, fairly conservative trends. But if you're maybe a more, have a little more risk tolerance, maybe a broker is the person you need to be talking to because they're going to give you a little more risky opportunities to make, make good in the marketplace. So I don't know that there's one good thing or bad thing. There's an awful lot of stuff on the internet, and this may sound kind of old and conservative and staid, but I think, too, think about if you're looking at newsletters or people, look at people who've been in the business a while, have some experience, you know, have, you know they've been vetted by the market. They're ones who, you know, they, they don't have to make a, a, a big splash, but they're, they're consistent. So I would certainly think about those folks as well. Hold on, wait a second, Steve. Are, are you insinuating that everything that I read on the internet is not absolutely factual? I don't believe you. Oh, no, no, I would not say that, that everything is, I, I joke with the young folks, you know, when I grew up, it was, well, you can't believe everything you read in the newspaper. And so that's kind of where we are today is, yeah, the internet's like, can't believe everything you read on the, on the internet. So yes, I would, I would agree with that statement. Now multiply that by how many newspapers there were, by how many people are on the internet, and we, we get to the challenge of our times, <laughs> yeah. right? It's always good to, uh, <laughs> exactly. to check the source and to, to have multiple sources pointing to the same thing for, for just that reason. And, you know, so much more data, right? It's, it's, it's funny, we, 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 we transition to data and there's so much more of it. And you've talked about having to, to understand how, you, uh, how your balance sheet looks on the farm. Are, are you folks seeing more, more farmers utilizing more digital tools to, to monitor their, their finances and, and have a greater understanding? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we see more and more of that every day. I think the challenge, and you said it very well in your question, we have more and more data every day, but we have less and less information. And that's where the challenge is on the farm right now is, I got all this data, but I don't know what it means. And so we do see farmers doing that. We just have announced here recently, uh, we have a partnership with Conservus. Again, I don't mean to be a shameless commercial, of, of trying to get to a point where, where the farmer puts puts their data into, I don't really care what kind of software package they're using, but where it can spit out information that can go to their, maybe to their agronomist, it can go to their, to their banker. And so we can, and we would love to be able to see at the end of harvest, all that data goes in and a balance sheet comes out and we, we get it, we make the renewal and it's an automatic, autom- it's an automatic, thing. it's not where it has to touch a lot of hands along the way. So that's coming. 
Um, we have a product and we're, we're working on that right now. We have a product in place. Um, but of course, it's, it's taken many years to get to this point and we'll, we know it'll get many years for it's go to get there. We've seen things in the, in the marketing area as far as um, Cargill and ADM coming together. Uh, we expect that we'll see more of that. What I'm going to say, call it, it's, it is digitization, but it's also traceability. Or the, and I'm speaking of row crops in particular, but I think it will happen in livestock as well. That as we digitize that, we can trace that grain all the way through the system so that someone does it. You know, Quaker Oats has done that for years in their oats. So there's no reason why we can't do that with other products as well. Um, and I know they didn't do that overnight, but they had a very sophisticated system and, they, and they're also processing one product. But the fact is that that is doable. So we will see more of that going forward. It'll be fascinating to watch the industry t- change over the over the next 10, 15 years. You know, you yes. you talk about traceability. I I, I went out uh, to dinner with my wife last weekend for for our anniversary, and you know, at the the bottom of the menu, it identified the sources of <laughs> uh, of their protein. Right? They they told that's you right. what farms and what regions they came from, and that's yeah. it's not yeah. the first time I've seen that. So uh, it's becoming more and more important to consumers, and it's it's something that technology obviously helps us to to understand to a much greater degree. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we've identified in COVID is in the post-COVID world for Gino is just that what you just said is that the consumer now, they're spending more time in the grocery store. They're not going out as much, but they also want to know where that food's coming from and they want to make sure it's safe because they, I think food security and safety will become a bigger issue for the consumer. And if we can digitize that supply chain and all that traceability, the consumer will be very happy with that. And, and it's a great marketing tool for farmers in, in local restaurants, you know, if, whether it's beef or whether it's pork or whether it's a vegetable, that's that's a great marketing tool for producers and for local restaurants. Absolutely. Hey, Steve, it's it's obvious that you're no stranger to podcasts. I mean, you're uh, you're a seasoned <laughs> pro here. Um, can can you tell our listeners a, a little bit about where they can learn more from experts like you and and others at uh, at Rabo Agrofinance? Yeah, we would certainly encourage them uh, go to any of your local. Uh, podcast platforms and just search Rabo Research North America and you'll see a whole menu of podcasts come up. Just again, one more shameless commercial. We do a monthly grain and oil seeds podcast and there's three of us that get together um, and just discuss uh, what's going on in the grain and oil seed market once a month. So, and you can look at, uh, we've got fruits and vegetables. You'll see uh, livestock, animal protein, be some farm input stuff. There'll be any sorts of number of things there that uh, anyone can listen to at any time of day or night. Well, Steve Nicholson, Senior Analyst with uh, with Rabo Agrofinance, thank you so much for joining us around the farm today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. As we wrap up today, I want to say thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you downloading the podcast and listening in. For those of you that need any support, never hesitate to reach out to the Climate Support Team. You can get them by phone at 888-924-7475 or via email at support at climate.com. And if you'd like to learn more about using FieldView to stay connected in these challenging times, visit us at climate.com stay dash connected. Well, it's been a blast. And as always, we'll see you around the farm.